0: Attention, if you're an eastern whitetail hunter with dreams of hunting elk, antelope, or mule deer out west but are overwhelmed with the knowledge gap, look no further than Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class features professionally produced courses taught by the world's leading outdoor experts and can be consumed on your phone, computer, or TV. Visit OutdoorClass.com and start the process of making your hunting dreams come true. Use discount code EMPIRE20 at checkout for 20% off.
1: The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms. Fueled by Joy. A podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here. yeah! Yeah, yeah. Good boy, Good boy Ranger. Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. On this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we got a great show, Mr. Hairbrain, Seth Hall joins me. He's in the studio and we dive deep into this topic of fair chase. It's something that we have to keep talking about. We got to stay on top of this. We cannot let our lifestyle be defined by those who would say that hunting with dogs, hunting with hounds is not fair chase. Seth and I are going to peel back the layers on this latest episode about Fair Chase and we're going to talk about side hounds. We're going to define why that is Fair Chase. Why are we spending so much time on this? Well, for one thing, I think it is imperative that we not be complacent. We not let other people define what is Fair Chase and what is not for us. If we don't have these discussions, if we don't talk about how to talk about who we are and what we do, then we're going to find ourselves painted into a corner when people challenge us on whether or not hunting with hounds is fair chase. Have you really thought about it? While you're out there, you're driving around looking for a track, waiting on that dog to strike a coon track or walking to a tree. Have you really thought about it? If, If someone challenges you today, right now. They walk up and they say, hunting with hounds is unethical and does not comply to rules of fair chase. What are you gonna tell them? We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional now to develop that narrative so that we do not get painted in corners in wildlife commission meetings or in legislation or even on social media. This conversation should help you develop your own narrative And define who you are and what you do. Long live freedom, long live Fair Chase, and long live the Houndsman. As my buddy Larry Anderson used to say, we've got a box shaker here. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. You cold, waste no time getting down to business. It's cold roll, man. You just roll into it. You're not even going to let me get hydrated. Jeez. You've been you've been hunting and working so hard that you've got to hydrate during the podcast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. I mean, Chad's Chad. Every time I talk to him, he he's like eating. He he's junk. He's eating junk food too. You'd think he'd be eating like avocados and almonds or something like mm-hmm. that you know, being in that mountain lifestyle, but it's like Cheetos and he's got kids though. So he's got, he's got those kid snacks in the house. What's
0: my excuse? People are always like, you're a total health nut. I'm like, dude, I just ate like a salami and turkey sandwich. You know what I mean? (laughs) On white bread. (laughs) Is that bad? That's, That's not bad. Yeah, I don't think it's very healthy. I'm sure there's healthier options. I could have like a like what Joe Rogan eats or something (laughs) MCT oil coffee and like elk with jalapenos or something.
1: (laughs) Well, I think there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, It's called money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. One time Chad called me for a business meeting and he was stuck in the snow on the side of the highway. And I was like, are you going to like, you can call another time. He's like, no, it's fine. I'll get out. What do you need to talk about? I was like, "Uh, <laughs> he's okay. a beast, man. <laughs> he's, he's crazy,
1: dude. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. He's been posting those Instagram <clears throat> reels and stuff with Roxy, his daughter, in there. I don't know if we should mention or host kids' names or not. What do you think? It's not up to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I might bleep that out. I'm. I'm gonna go. It'll say with
0: bleep." <laughs> Yeah. Who would name their daughter Bleep? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Terrible <laughs> joke. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's well, up, man? Hey,
1: I'll tell you what, we've been uh we've been we're working on this fair chase thing, you know, a lot. Because it bothers me a lot. It bothers mm-hmm. me a lot that uh um, you know, other hunting groups and, and and things might have an opinion that hunting with hounds isn't fair chase. I just I want to, part of what we do is control the narrative, you know, or, or at least define the narrative and, right. and try to, try to get other people on board with it to help us make some headway here. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like, it's like, wh- why would another hunting group try to, you know, try to, try to cast shade on, on another ethical <laughs> hunting group? Is it a question of ethics or, I mean, are we just that far gone in our ethics? no i I just think it's people
0: don't people always are quick to cast shade on what they don't know right i mean it is crazy how much shade is thrown at hound hunters and trappers by the wider hunting community but i mean even within any like archery community you know you have your longbow hunters that are like oh you know anything over 25 yards and you're not a real hunter and blah 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 you know it's like i just think yeah people are bored
1: <laughs> well I, I just i'll yeah. give you an example i'll give you an example of something that that just popped up this past week uh, <clears throat> there's another podcast it's a white-tailed hunting podcast and i'm just going to call him out his name is don higgins and uh, he writes for several major publications and he was taught he got a question about about allowing coyote hounds to run on his property during the, during the off season. And he came out and he just said that that is absolutely the worst thing that you can do, allowing dogs on your property, that dogs are even worse than, than ha- letting people. And he calls it his sanctuary. And, um, and then he even goes on to make a cloaked threat that if people don't know how to keep dogs off their property to send them to him and he can show them how to keep dogs off their property. I mean, this is a major voice in the, in the hunting community. I'm just tired. I'm tired of it. Yeah. I I just, people,
0: the, the horn porn kind of world has really taken extremely heavy root.
1: That, that, Hey, that, that term, by the way, um, I originated it here on the podcast, but I got it from a coworker. uh, that while we were conservation officers, he, he, he coined that term horn porn and, uh, uh, I just totally auto, stole it from you. <laughs> antler, antler auto erotica. That's what he used to say. We used to stop these guys in the middle of the night out there shining for deer and, and doing all that stuff. And, and Steve would come back to the, you know, get back to the car or we'd get back to the car and they, you know, they'd be legal. And he's like, we've been sitting out here for four hours trying to find a bad guy. And some guy that can't control his, his antler auto erotica thinks he's got to come out here and spotlight everything and and pull us out of our hiding spot. And we, he just go on a rant. He say he's probably got a bunch of horn porn magazines by the toilet <laughs> in his house.
0: <laughs> what would be the coon, the raccoon hunting equivalent?
1: There is no yeah, we're not we're not auto erotica about that. (laughs) That's true. It's only sidehound guys and deer hunters. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like, you know,
0: especially as the world's becoming more parcelized, you know, where like people are having the smaller and smaller sections of land that they're running and monetizing. People Mm. are getting in their heads the craziest things to try to maximize their leases. And I'm saying this fair quotes, everyone's success rate by trying to minimize like everything they can possibly think. And they're like, oh, dog barking. I mean, we know why, right? But and we also know that there's little to no, there there is data that proves that there's little to no effect from coon hounds running around in there catching uh, deer. Also, don't you think it would be wise to desensitize your deer to vehicles, dogs, noise, so if you really want to do oh, a success count. rate, that, no, that
1: doesn't that doesn't count. Um, you know it, it just farmers have been doing that for I know. farmers have been doing that for two hundred years. All you gotta do is get on a John Deere tractor and wear a pair of brown car and go yeah. pick some fence and deer will walk up to you in my world it's
0: white trucks because all government rigs are white trucks if you drive anything but a white truck you will never see wildlife but if you just drive those white trucks around animals just stand on the side of the road and stare you had a coyote like nine feet away from my truck on the side of the de- the two-track road just staring at me like a week ago and, yeah. and didn't care at all and that's uh, so anytime you take a personal rig out there you won't see a thing they, they're hiding but yeah i that's what i always thought it's like you think you would want to desensitize your lease to these things to make it even better so like you don't have to be sneaking around and stuff <laughs> I've got I don't a, know
1: I've, I really think and you you did a podcast on the way animals see the way <clears> the eyeball <throat> works and I've personally witnessed this I can walk across a field in a pair of blue jeans and a flannel shirt and horses they don't react to it they're they know what I'm doing but I can walk through that same field with camouflage on. And all of a sudden the same horses that I feed every day when I put the camouflage they're on, just like, what the yeah, they just, they, they come unglued. They don't know what to do. They don't know how they, <laughs> how they're seeing it. And, and I feel like the deer are the same way. They start seeing these weird globs and blobs moving around and people moving, moving like predators. And all of a sudden it's, they freak out and, mm-hmm. and you know, it, you you mentioned something that was key there you mentioned the study the 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 study on on the use of hounds and deer movement and for some reason deer hunters don't want to accept that they don't they don't want to to recognize that as an authority so my new line is when people say oh that's an old study it's like well where my rebuttal is where is your new science yeah. to say that it does there is yeah.
0: none that well, and it's like they're like, or you're you're cherry picking data, and it's like,
1: mm-hmm. well, yeah, I at least have a cherry tree. You know what I mean? Like but that's not even cherry picking. I mean, that was a specific study to do dis- for food. that reason. Yeah, yeah. And it's how just, about like the millions of
0: pictures of dudes standing at oh. coon trees with their dogs barking and a buck laying like thirty yards away in the bushes,
1: staring all at them, all laying all down. You, all you've got to do is is make a <clears> post on on Facebook and ask for those pictures and you will get flooded with pictures exactly. of, or in video video walking right past a bed of deer, a buck, a doe, whatever. And a, you can hear the hound, hound treat, you know, and you just walk right past it and then they videotape them, walk them back out.
0: Also, and I hear this all the time. Aren't coyotes like the worst thing that's ever existed for deer. That's what I always hear all the time. So it's like, you would think you'd want them to be driven out hunting them with dogs is not only a way to eliminate them directly, but also to passively drive them out of an area because yeah. traps don't elicit that evasion response like dogs do. Dogs physically drive them out of the area and keep them out instead of just they get caught in a leg hole trap. And Skippy the Coyote is jumping around, and the other one is just like, I don't even know what that was.
1: I don't really, you know, he'll run off because it's got spooked, but he's not leaving. Well, he'll even come back, and you'll catch a double in the sets, you know. So I've we've had several. Coyote sets over the years where we caught doubles. They come up and it's like, what are you <clears throat> doing? And then it's like, oh, what's that smell? Boom. And then you catch a double. So, mm. you know, trapping, trapping is very effective. There's Absolutely. no doubt about it. Um, but the the real the real rub is having this idea that somehow hounds are hurting your hunting opportunity. And I but anyway, I mean, and then they start attacking us on the on the fair chase the fair chase thing. And that's where I really want to go and talk about in this podcast is we still have, we still got a lot of work to do on defining that narrative and, and developing that narrative and sharpening our skills as houndsmen to be able to talk about it, because I can tell you, this is an example of something that I know several people have gone through. Uh, we were in Condon, Montana. And we were at the sleepy bear, sleeping bear lodge and we were in there eating lunch. And a lady walked in, saw our hound rigs. We were lion hunting, came in and, and she engaged us in this conversation about how hunting with hounds was not fair chase, but she was a spot and stalk hunter and she said that it was not fair. So I bring that story up and I tell that story because you've got to be prepared to have the conversation without flying off the handle. Anymore. That's right. First control yeah. your anger. Cause yeah. I'm already rolling my eyes so bad it hurts, you know, yeah. yeah. cause
0: your binoculars <clears throat> are totally fair. You know, you're like, it, what, <laughs> how do you, how do you, this is the thing about ethics. That's a slippery slope is that it's all opinion, you know? And so you gotta be careful about that. You have yours, they have theirs, but at the same time, when it's clear with like undeniable, like I hate to say facts because it's the wrong word used for opinions, but like when you have undeniable evidence to support your claim, that's what we need to practice but without going we, crazy. But being shouldn't a we,
1: well, shouldn't we be developing our opinions on facts, yes, and not on emotion?
0: Yeah, you know, when I break my leg, I want my doctor to have clear protocols on how to fix my broken leg. That's not based on his ideas and opinions, but based on facts that have worked for fixing broken legs and not getting infected and healing wrong. So yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely. And that's why we're here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just diving into the narrative, I think, I think one thing that we need to look at is this total, it's, it seems to me more of a trend. There's a real resistance to science in our, in our community Especially among hunters, um, and I don't, I understand why. Because science was weaponized. You, I think you used that term last week when we were talking about it. You know, science was weaponized as a political weapon. You know, just by all the, sides, by yeah, by everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, just a couple of years ago, and it developed this huge distrust. Up until then, everybody was like. Well, what does the science say? What does the science say? And one of the things that we have hung our hat on as a hunting community, as a whole, not just houndsmen, not just, you know, elk and deer hunters or whatever, is science-based wildlife management. So we have to embrace, we either have to f- em- embrace the science or we have to totally reject it. And I don't see anybody doing that.
0: I. I find it especially frustrating because in our realm, in this particular context, people have such hardened opinions about wildlife and are 100% clueless for the most part about real wildlife science. And this is literally both sides. I had a guy talking to me yesterday, and I was just listening to him talking about how, like, bobcats will eat every turkey, coyotes will eat every deer fawn, and wolves will eat every elk if they're not, like, actively hunted, like – down and i'm like okay i mean they existed before humans were here obviously humans play an important part in the ecosystem and we need to manage predators there is no question but like come on they're not gonna eat everything that's that's great they would die too so it's like and then i hear the other side that are like you know actually wolves can cure cancer if you pet them you know what i mean like there's there's (laughs) they can change rivers they can do yeah, yeah. drivers. They've
1: done it in uh, Yellowstone. So, yeah. So yeah. it's
0: just like, uh, anyway. So, yeah, it's really frustrating. But that's where, you know, like there are, I work with a big game hunter who thinks hunting with hounds is like, quote, super trashy, end
1: quote. So it's like, you know, obviously I can. Well, let's it's just, important to, yeah. What, how, break it what, down. Yeah. Break that down because I want to know since you've engaged this guy, I want to know. And he's my friend. We're friends. So like, yeah, I mean, that's it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I've got, I've got friends as well that, that control <clears throat> large tracts of land that I hunt here on and I respect their opinion because I don't own it. So yeah. they say, Hey, wait until after deer season. If you don't mind. Okay. You know, that's, that's your opinion. You control the property. And for the other nine months of the year, pretty much I can hunt there. So yeah. I allow, you know, I, I'm not going to stand there. I'll give him the right information and I'll say, Hey, have you ever heard about this? Yeah. But you know, I, I, uh, I'd rather you not be there. Hey, that's your right as a landowner. I respect it and, and stuff like that. But let's hear what her, hear what your friend had to say and why he thinks that hunting with hounds is super trashy because I think we have to start there and then work our way up. So obviously I like to talk about running dogs, right? Duh.
0: No. Um, way. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> and uh, you know, well, I'm speaking specifically in the context of sighthounds here, because he already has hardened opinion about scent hounds, I'm sure, but this is leaking over into my world. The first thing he says is he's like, it's so unfair to just like run something to death. And I'm like, Okay well, so let me break down the t- the two I think there was two or three points. One, it's unfair to just run something down to death. That's like not cool. It's 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 like unsporting to run an animal down. Two, you're not hunting. The dogs are. So like it's not even fair if you're not hunting. Why why what is the point of you going out and hunting if you don't even hunt the dogs do. And then three, it's it's you're causing you're, and again, this is comes from lack of clear ignorance. The dogs themselves are disturbing the ecosystem when a when a, a still hunter is a very quiet, silent witness to nature and is not not disturbing the land. So those are the three things that I get mostly out of it, right? And so,
1: yeah, I mean, that just those would run through three. Let's break them down. Let's go right through <clears throat> the three. Yeah.
0: So like the first one is like obviously the worst one ever, and and I'm speaking, I'm speaking to my sidehound hunters now, you guys. So like. Well, Chris interject wherever you want and change it based on, you know, the more scent hound oriented ideal there. But like the first part of where it, it's like, it's, it's, it's cruel to run something down. And I kind of look around and I'm going how every other animal ever except humans kills. It's prey. That's kind of weird that you would think that also that's what we did for the majority of our species history. So I don't see how that's unfair. And then also it's, and this is the core argument, you guys. This is like the core point that I always bring up. A jackrabbit or a coyote, primarily jackrabbits for me, does not care. It it just exists on this landscape, right? And also it is fully aware what your dog is pursuing it. So that a firearm is shot at it. How is a projectile traveling 1,800 feet per second that is completely imperceptible to sound and sight before it impacts their flesh? How is that more fair than an animal running 40 miles an hour directly at it that it can match in both speed, agility, and distance that it has evolved for millions of years to defend itself against a land-based carnivore? Pursuing it across the desert—that is its home, where it lives. It knows everywhere it needs to
1: go. How is that less fair? Also, and I'm going to take this direction. Well, no, 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 don't. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm no, gonna, go ahead. I want to get back to that. I yeah. want. Yeah. So I think we can expand <clears throat> that. You can expand that to um, animals all over anywhere about the predator-prey type yeah. thing. You know, I, you you said a couple key things there. We have been. We have evolved our technology to make hunting easier, whereas my dog out there pursuing is relying on instincts that are tens of thousands of years old that have been refined to do a specific job um, nobody cries about when when a wolf runs a moose yeah nobody yeah. nobody cries when a when a bobcat you know catches a rabbit maybe some beagle guys do. Uh, i know that bobcats have been getting a lot of hate because of turkeys and and um uh deer populations things like that but predator prey is what that is the ultimate fair chase you know even the most hardened <coughs> animal loving anti-hunter doesn't they look at that as the natural order of things so how is it different when when our dogs do it well, so he countered
0: me by saying like, okay, it's more quote unquote natural, but that does that make it more humane where like you could just run up and club a pig to death with, a, with an oak club, or you could just shoot it in the head with a 22. He's arguing that it's less humane to run one down with dogs than it is to shoot one. Right. And oh. so, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So I counter by saying, okay, the humane aspect is a moot point. Because what if you make a bad shot, right? You're just, you're completely basing your entire crux of your argument that you head shoot everything, which I've been big game hunting with firearms my entire life. I've never headshot anything intentionally because that is not the most humane way to kill an animal. First of all, and he is also a big time hunter. He should know better. And two, the humane aspect, when when a dog catches a hare, do you think it's this like crazy drawn out? saw torture scene no it's a six pound animal being caught by a 50 pound greyhound with knives in its mouth it's dead in seconds Mm -hmm. also again i agree with you even it's so funny that it's typically the hunter the people that are hunters that are the most opposed to this to that they say it's inhumane to hunt with dogs it is not the quote-unquote libtards because they're the ones that are like yeah it's how they would have died in the wild like a coyote catches them that's exactly how they die you know, I, uh-huh. I don't
1: know about that. Well, uh, at least
0: in my experience, it is. Yeah. And but, the people, the people I work with, that's how, you know, the, the, the p- hunting
1: crowd, the hunting crowd isn't directly going out there and trying to uh, eliminate hunting with dogs though. They're not, no, they but, may but, be, they may be indirectly and they may be sitting back silently and thinking, okay, well, if they're paying attention to them right now, then they can't come after me. So we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll make them our sacrificial lamb so that we can hunt a few more years I'm just speaking in my direct experience
0: Mm -hmm. because I agree in a broad spectrum. Of course you're right. And I agree with you on that very much. Like I'm talking about in my specific, I I typically get more outspoken criticism of hound hunting from other hunters because they're comfortable talking to me about it because we're all hunters here. And also because yeah, some people are just really vocal about their Mm -hmm. terrible opinions, (laughs) but yeah. And so that's what I always say is like the humanity aspect of the humane aspect of it is, is completely a moot point. There's a, it's all swift and it can all be done on un- inhumanely as well that's just not it's, it's just a moot point like it doesn't it's just it's cherry picking to try to prop up a bad point and then so the two the second thing where it's like you're not doing any of the work the dogs are for scent hound guys especially that's bs and we all know that every person that goes hunting with you is like for the first time is like wow this is way harder than i thought you know, and the the sidehound guys, we do have a little bit less of that pedestal to stand on, for sure, because these dogs really are more of a complete hunting style. You know, they will find the game, run it down, catch it, retrieve it all on their own. But even still, it's a team effort. I'm out there with them. And even if it's not, even if you do have these dogs that can find it all on their own. Okay. What about any, what, if you like watching a nature documentary where a cheetah can catch a gazelle, it's cool to watch. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't make you any less, like, noble or, or like, um validated to shoot something than it does to watch a predator-prey interaction, except those predators are your buddies. Like, it's just a, I don't know. Well,
1: this is you, where it gets tough with ethics. You said something that I liked. You <clears throat> said noble. You used the term noble. And somewhere we lost that because the nobles in the old class system, were the only ones that could hunt. Yeah, because hunting they,
0: with dogs is super expensive.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and, but not only that, but they were, they, the, the peasants, the low, low underlings weren't even allowed to own dogs or, or hunt. So if you go back to the side hound,
0: that's where lurchers came from.
1: Yeah. The, the, the royalty, the, in the Middle East are the ones who could afford to do that. So how yeah. do we lose, it? How did that shift? How did that change?
0: Here's my hypothesis. I think modern veterinary care really changed that. I think the mass production of dog food really changed that. Mm -hmm. I think by us being able to look, imagine everyone, imagine how hard it would be to keep a pack of good, healthy dogs going if you didn't have parvo vaccinations, distemper vaccinations, dog food you know, just in a bag that you just go buy a complete dog food. You feed your dogs the same kibble their whole lives and they could live and hunt for you. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, you didn't have any of that. Now the food aspect may not be as tough, you know, feed them meat, feed them corn, feed them, you know, scraps, whatever. But the disease aspect, the cleanliness of the kennels, managing a hound pack would be so much tougher. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that shift has helped, anyone keep a great pack of hounds now yeah yeah. so that's my hypothesis at least and yeah. and then culturally you know this is just a fact of the world not even america but the population is becoming more urbanized and as bad as it is for this particular narrative i think overall that's a good thing because if the eight billion people in this world lived in a rural fashion we'd have no space So it's in the end probably better that we're compacting everyone into these mega cities, but it sure sucks for the Uh, cultural uh, changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different, that's a whole different topic. I think, but Hey, have you checked out our website? HoundsmanXP.com. We've got a lot of cool stuff over there. There's links over to our Patreon. All of our bonus material is there on Patreon. You get a link right to that. You can also check out all of our awesome sponsors there, and a lot of those links have built-in discount codes. So when you click on that link, it takes you to the website of our sponsor and it's got a built-in discount code. You can find companies like Cajun Lights, Dogs Are Tried. You can even go there and support Freedom Hunters. All right from our website. We're also getting ready to launch our online store. We're going to change that up a little bit and uh, we're going to have some cool stuff in there. We're going to have belt knife sheaths, custom made. We're going to have um, some cool tumblers there, our hats, t-shirt designs, all that's going to be on our online store at houndsmanxp.com. Check it out. You know, in the United States. We we opened up, we broke down those barriers. A constitutional republic that um broke down the, the class barriers and different things. So now the people on the frontier needed dogs to to do a, a wide variety of things. And um, but it, it just breaks my heart to see us lose that narrative. And and that's really what motivates me every day to work on this podcast is to help restore that, restore the restore our credibility in the wildlife management circles to restore our credibility with other hunters and things like that. So, uh, I think, I think we'd be mistaken not to address some of the problems that have come along with that and how people continue to, to damage us and fight against us in that. And, One thing that, that Brad Luttrell with go wild, um, you know, I talked to him about this at length and he's convinced that hunters don't do a good enough job of telling the whole story. You know, we've talked about this for, for promoting this podcast. You know, we like to talk about the hunt. We like to talk about the success of the hunt, but we don't show the backstory. We don't show you know, enough of us raising those puppies and being engaged in the whole story, the whole lifestyle, um, you know, the training aspect of it and the time aspect and all that stuff. It's just, you get bogged down. It's, it's cumbersome to try to tell all that. And, but everybody wants a shot of the grip and grin at the end. So we've yeah. painted ourselves as people that are only concerned about the end result. We're not, a, we're not, we're not, we don't do a good enough job of showing the process to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and when you watch a YouTube video, you fast forward to the treed lion, the treed bear. I think that's the the entire world's culture metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. That's, and there are content creators out there that are doing, that work hard to show the the, the absolute dregs. We're doing better in general.
1: We're doing and, better than we did five years ago, Seth. I, I, yeah. I, I believe that.
0: I definitely do. I see some content creators in the hound sphere that show a lot of failed hunts, failed trees, following a lion for four days and never, never even seeing it. You know, I think I'll that's
1: really see... important. Josh I'll... Michaelis has never shown any videos like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Did you know hunt. I never get outrun? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you fully on that, and. I guess I'm going to take this from you because I really like it. And I'm going to expand on it slightly. But if hunting with dogs is the most like unfair form of hunting, why did we invent firearms, archery equipment, adalattles, javelins? I'm going in reverse, technologically speaking. But hunting with dogs is the least effective way to hunt overall. It's by far the most expensive and it's by far the least successful, especially in my world. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted to go out there and shoot 100 rabbits a day, I could. Easy. As many rabbits as I could find with a Coors Light in my hand. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's or it's one. <laughs> you know, maybe. And and so, that's just silly. I mean, that's just so silly. How can the most primitive form of hunting, aside from scavenging, be the most unfair advantage? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just crazy. Exactly. Yeah, was, that's the what, best defense. I think that's the that's the first one that can make any person be like, "Oh, yeah, I guess you're right." You know.
1: Yeah, obviously the atlatls <clears throat> and those things were developed as a weapon that were adopted into the hunting culture. You know, they weren't developed for hunting. They were developed just like we've we've tracked this in in our own lifetimes to see how military weapons have become Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that, that technology has been used by uh, ammunition manufacturers uh, to, to be marketed to hunting, Mm -hmm. you know, with some, with some limitations, you know, almost every state has certain limitations on, on calibers and ammunition and, and things like that. So we're not saying you can hunt with an RPG. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that, you know, like the bullet design that you're shooting was developed through Um, military technology adopted to law enforcement and was found acceptable for hunting applications. So, you know, just to, just, I wanted to clarify that so it didn't sound like we were, you know, totally ignorant to why, why these things were developed. Archery was the first um, artillery in, in armies. So, Yeah. yeah, but, but dialing it all the way back, hunters have adopted that technology over time and the first types of hunting that are documented are a man and a dog chasing a beast with a club (laughs) or a sharp stick
0: and hey this i don't want to sound anti-technology you guys that's ridiculous that's not what the point we're trying to make it's that when people because like i'm not out there barefoot well sometimes i'm not out there like in in like animal skins grunting at my friends you know what i mean it's 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 what we're trying to say is when someone tries to use these weaponized statements against you to understand that, Hey, look, this is the most primitive form of hunting. It can't yeah. be the most unfair. You, you don't
1: know, tell, don't tell me that don't tell, you know, come on on social media on one of my posts and tell me that, that hunting with hounds is unethical and it's not fair chase. and it gives, gives, gives me an unfair <clears> advantage. And then I see on your feed, you thermalize coyotes you know with a thermal scope it's like come yeah. on yeah yeah are you serious yeah.
0: you know and and like okay look i can't stand an unbalanced conversation that's just who i am so i'm going to i'm going to put out my own um hypocrisy here i hate long range hunting i really don't like it at all it does nothing for me i find no interest in it I, but i but here's the thing i don't go around bashing long distance hunters and i don't go around trying to get it shut down that's the difference right it's not for me. I don't like it, but you can also just not be an a-hole about it and and respect our fellow hunters and yeah. not go around thrashing people and stand by them. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're if you capable of making an ethical shot at those ranges, that's your. If that just gets your goat. Okay, that's cool. That's for you, man. It's just not for me. And that's kind of where we're at with my buddy at work, by the way. That's where we've gotten to, where I've convinced him that it's not trashy, but he's just like, it's just not for me. And I'm like, that's cool, man. I don't like yellow cars, but... You know, not trying to get them banned. Right. That's yeah,
1: that's the a key key statement right there is we don't have to crucify each other or throw each other under the bus if we if we don't don't like it. I mean, when you talk about long range hunting, two hundred years ago, anything over a hundred yard shot was was long range hunting. You know, so as the technology has gotten better again. You know, it's, it's become less of, um, uh, some kind of hunting feat to take a 150 yard shot when you were shooting a flint lock and you're loading it through the muzzle. Yeah. And yeah, on 150 yards, there are documentations, the historical documents show people could do that, but it was not something that was normal. Yeah.
0: It was an exceptional creature that could hit a man off a horse at 150 yards, you know? Right. Which right. yeah, that's a that's a really good shot. Side we note. called those
1: <laughs> not the, those were the long riflemen, the snipers. Yeah, uh, from yeah. the Revolutionary War, and they were they were noted. They were called riflemen. But yeah, getting back to the topic here, what's the second point that that you had?
0: Well, it was that I'd already covered it. It was that it's okay. that it's um that it, it's it's trashy to hunt with dogs because they do all the hunting, and it's okay. like that's we know that the hunt the houndsmen guys just know that you guys are already ready for that. It's that's insane. <laughs> what was the yeah. third point? Third point. And, and so, well, the third point was that just like it, it's a way. Man, I got so lost in the weeds. Where was I? So it was. Uh, first off, that it's hounds do all the hunting. Oh, it's it's inhumane to run something to death. Two, that it's uh trashy. Man, I gotta come back to it. All right. <laughs> I should have wrote it down. Let's, it was, let's uh,
1: rewind the tape. Yeah, we'll <laughs> rewind the tape. <laughs>
0: Um, I think you're onto
1: something there. So let's, since we touched on technology, I think that's something that, that we battle as a hound hunting community a lot. And, um, even on the legislative end of it, where it's, it's being weaponized against our ability to hunt. And I just say this to start off, you know, nobody, the anti hunting crowd and they have learned that they can't just come straight on for hunting, you know, for the most part, they've been, they've been unsuccessful. They spend a lot of money. They don't get necessarily what they want. So what I see more and more is taking away somebody's ability to hunt and that's challenging the the methods and inside Mm -hmm. the methods of hound hunting, that also includes technology and that includes things like GPS. And I haven't seen one in a couple of years. But every year, uh, every, every so many years, they revisit that and say, well, look, they're using GPS technology on these hounds. Their, their main goal is to stop us from hunting with hounds. And then they use the, the tool that we use to try to undermine us, to keep us from doing that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, that just stems completely from, yeah, from ignorance and just trying to, trying to weaponize an idea That hasn't been looked past even the tiniest curtain Mm -hmm. you know that's just too easy i think our 24-hour news cycle like mentality has permeated our culture and really made it quite venomous against everybody you know when we were talking last week you were kind of starting to kind of come at me and grill me a little bit in some of these questions and and i really liked that
1: i'm still planning on it
0: yeah i I really really liked that i just want to
1: lay some groundwork here you know, for the, for the conversation, but, um, you know, I, I, the technology thing, I think is something that, that houndsmen need to be prepared to answer. You need Mm -hmm. to be prepared to, to be able to, to tell people why you put a GPS collar on your dog. The GPS collar does nothing other than allow you to keep track of your dog, that you have got a lot of time, a lot of money a lot of investment in a lot of emotional investment in that hound. I've seen bear hunters sit down and cry over dogs that are, that have been, you know, that have been injured or killed, um, either by roadway or by beast or whatever it was, you know, um, I've seen that. And so to think that there's not an emotional connection, there is ridiculous, but we have to be prepared to give an answer for that, that challenge. And, we just have to. We just have to deny and continually fight that 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 GPS collar on that dog does not make it easier for us to harvest game. It simply doesn't. Um, <clears throat> it the only thing that that thing does for us is tell us where those dogs are. We've still got to put in the the footwork to get there. we yeah. I mean,
0: it's we, the same thing as using one of these, like you and Chad said. Oh, you know, the the, the for, cell
1: phone, the Onyx? Yeah.
0: Big game hunters can just pop this up and go straight to where the elk down. Mm-hmm. You can use your digital maps to get to a place the yeah. same and way what, you
1: – yeah. That, that's exactly what's happening with this hound stuff. I, I, even on a, a smaller scale, I mean, I'm talking, you know, vast wildernesses of Idaho or New Mexico. If I'm coon hunting in Indiana and my dogs are over a ridge – and I'm not familiar with it, with, with where they're at, you know, exactly where they're at. Yeah. I'm going to pull up my Garmin and look and see where they're at and then plan my route to them. Once I'm there, that is the time that I make the moral decision whether or not I'm going to harvest the animal or not.
0: Right. I mean, and yeah, that's just, that just comes from not knowing or trying to appease that argument also like, trying to trying to appease other sections of the hunting community that are anti-hound hunting. Cause it's just so easy to dispel so easy to demolish. And so, yeah, I'm glad that a lot of our listeners are engaged to this, these points and are, you know, helping form this narrative. I think that's really good. And we got a long way to go.
1: Well, that, that takes us to the the point that you were speaking of just a second ago. And that's, that is a question I put to you, you know, Sinhound hunters can, can say that hunting with hounds is a catch and release opportunity for the side hound guy, catch and release is not an option. Mm -mm. So my concern in the conversation that we had was how can we say that you turn, you turn the, the prairie missiles loose to run a rabbit down. And it's gonna die every time they catch it. How is that fair chase?
0: Anytime I put a scope on a mule deer, it's gonna die. How is that fair chase? The 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 end result isn't what makes the chase fair. It is the chase, the pursuit, mm-hmm. the 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 harvesting of this animal. So it doesn't matter if the dogs put teeth on this game it was the pursuit and i would i'd be willing to say that sight hound coursing has as low as percentage rate as other difficult forms of hound hunting as 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 uh dry ground lion hunting or whatever other really hard it's the only thing i know that's really hard that i've seen with my own eyes and so um it's also extremely raw and primitive you know there's no um and i mean that technologically it is do the dogs catch it or not in view right there right now so yes i have no option of release and i guess some people do I, I will say this is an extreme example but there are people that have dogs that will bring them back alive hair you can take it out of their mouth and it'll run off so like that's extremely rare though that that doesn't happen in my world but um the argument for that is going to have to go deeper. And I'm more than happy to like peel back some of those layers because that we're not catching and releasing is not that big a deal for what we're doing. Um, Well, yeah, but yeah.
1: So I get, I'm stuttering around here. You know, the thing, the thing that confuses me at times, Seth, is I will see you or hear you say that, your jackrabbit numbers are very low. And and so you go out and common sense or maybe ignorance, it not even common sense, ignorance would lead me to say, okay, well, you say your jackrabbit numbers are low and you're, you're crying cry your jackrabbit population. And yet here's Seth again on Saturday with the prairie missiles out there trying to find a, a jackrabbit to run down and kill that can't turn loose. Yeah. So, so explain that and tell me how that can be an ethical decision when, when you already know your jackrabbit numbers are low, but I'm going to hunt anyway. Here's how I'd respond to this. So
0: hounds are a super specialized weapon where we can hunt with them. Very small percentage of the area that is Southern New Mexico, less than 5%, maybe.
1: Are you the places, pulling those numbers out of air or is that your estimation?
0: That's my estimation. Okay.
1: Okay. They An are estimation. small
0: remnant grasslands. And when I say small, they're enormous, but Southern New Mexico is enormous. So it's, it's all relative here. These, these remnant grassland patches where hair populations are already lower than the surrounding areas that are more suitable habitat. So the first point I make is this one there's a simple statement I heard from an old-timer who's been hunting rabbits for 70 years. He says this, and it's the best way to put it. This is the most point-blank thing. No rabbits, no fun. So if you kill all the rabbits in an area, you're not going to have a good time because there's no rabbits. So mm-hmm. we are already extremely self-limiting where we go, how long we spend on the ground, and how many hairs we chase. Not how many hairs we catch, how many char- hairs we catch or chase. So... We're limiting ourselves to one catch a weekend, and we have been since 2020, and we only limit ourselves to two chases. So if we get outrun by the first hare, we'll go chase another one. We do that just to limit our time out on the landscape, stressing out wildlife, stressing out hares. Nothing else cares, really. So um, that's the first thing. That's the most baser response that's the easiest to justify in any way. If I kill all the jackrabbits that live in this area, it's not going to be very fun for us that's the first thing to say so we already go there is no laws about how many rabbits you can hunt how many coyotes you can catch it's strictly hunter honor and it really really sucks to spend six hours looking for a jackrabbit so if you spend six hours you say you find one in 45 minutes which can happen and you catch him you're like man i just drove three hours one way to hunt i found him in 45 minutes had a three minute race is awesome I really don't want to go home yet now go home because now you just extended the amount of time to find a rabbit for the next time. So mm-hmm. the, that's the first one. The second one is, well, you just got, say, you, you, no, you go you ahead, go put ahead. out
1: a lot of information there. I got to ask questions. No, go you, ahead, said, you said that you said that the places you're hunting, I want to make sure I've got this right, is not the most suitable habitat for it's jackrabbits. So not. if they're not where you're, Common sense says if you're going to catch rabbits, go where the rabbits are. So why are you spending time out there in these grasslands to begin with?
0: Sighthounds are predators of the wide open. They need wide open grassland where brush covers less than 15% of the landscape. Mm -hmm. You need prairie, straight up real prairie. Rabbits don't, don't, hares, I'm speaking, you'll never find rabbits out there. Hares do like open land, but they prefer shrub invaded grassland even more. Where you so tip, can't
1: where you can't hunt, you would not run your side out. Bingo. Okay. So where
0: we live in southern New Mexico, these mega grass. Imagine a bowl. Imagine a huge shallow walk, like what you'd cook Chinese food in. The very bottom of the walk, the flat part, that's the grassland. That's between two to twelve thousand acres of just grassland. But the rim of the walk is all well-draining shrubland. That's where most rabbits are. And when you jump, I'm sorry, hares, when you jump, and rabbits too, when you jump hares on the edges of the walk, the flat part, they're inevitably going to go for the walls of the walk. Always. They're always going for the cover. And the majority of the hares and rabbits live in the walls of the walk. So they're living in the 50,000 acres that surround the 10,000 acre grassland in the middle. Hares obviously go down into that grassland because this is just going to, I'm going to give this in a huge nutshell. If there's 100 people living in the great spot and everyone has to walk out at night to go eat in the the mediocre spot, fortune favors the bold who live down in the flat spot so they don't have to spend half the night creeping out into the food place. They're already there, so they get a four-hour head start on the competition. So the bolder hares are the ones that live out in the grassland. The data is extremely scant on what percentage lives out there. But it's a lot less than in the brush country. Yeah. A lot yeah. less.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, you going out and catching a hare in the grasslands, your breeding populations are still up in the shrubs and the places yep. that you can't
0: hunt. Yeah. So, so in biology, that would be called a source sink population dynamic. So you have an area that's what you'd consider a source, that's where the multiplication of their real numbers is happening. We and then you have what's called a
1: go ahead d- yeah i was just going to say we don't we don't want to educate people that much <laughs> and then <laughs> you'd have kidding. a sink which <laughs> is a place where net
0: so you you have your gross profit and you have your net profit net profit is after all your expenses right so a sink is that you're net you're in the loss you you may have had a lot of rabbits or hares go down into the grasslands but most died off because of predation and whatever so this is specifically speaking for my area southern new mexico southeastern new mexico places that are strictly prairie obviously have different population dynamics um but i can easily talk about that as well so that's the point i'm trying to make is that like where i'm hunting that's where the least rabbits and hares are okay so by default we're not you're just a drop in the bucket on the population as a whole because we're already in a place where it's extremely risky for them to be anyway
1: yeah yeah so These are you, important.
0: I don't want anyone to be like yawning. This is super important because when if someone's really aggressively attacking you, it's really important to know your know what you're doing, so you can definitely win that argument. Well, the reason I brought it term. up,
1: the reason I brought it up, and I want to do a podcast and focus <clears throat> on the sidehound side of it is because from my position, I and because of my exposure to sin hounds, I can easily def- defend that. Mm-hmm. But. Our culture and our society of houndsmen include sidehound guys. And I need to be able to defend that too. I need to be able to talk about that. Especially, you know, producing this podcast and having you on the podcast. I get asked about it routinely. You know. So. Are they questions similar to what you just asked me? Sure. Yeah. 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 Good. I want you to
0: ask me the tough questions. I love to ask tough questions when I'm interviewing someone.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, well
0: there's also well go ahead go ahead you were about to move into another point.
1: No, I wasn't. I was going to give you the opportunity to move on.
0: Well, there actually. is one other point that I need and this is the most important one. So, here's the thing. What we're hunting matters, you guys, because how many offspring does a bear have a year? Do you know?
1: Uh, 3 to 4.
0: 3 to 4. Now, how many offspring in, in does a good a in a
1: good in a good year? You know, yeah. usually two in two. a in a bumper crop. You know, we're looking at, we're looking at three to four. And now how many
0: offspring does a hare have?
1: I have no idea. Exactly.
0: A lot. They're literally a metaphor for reproduction, right? So I chased hares last year in the low population year. I chased 26. I caught 22. I caught 22. The elements, natural predation, cars running them over kills infinitely more than me out there hunting and they want a female hair can produce and they are only pregnant for three weeks and she can be pregnant twice at the same time i don't even so,
1: i don't even get that man how's that so at? so she she <laughs> she mates with a male the
0: she mates she gets pregnant she's it's about not a, to deliver. it's not
1: a jackrabbit that identifies as a
0: male it's actually <laughs> a real male you know what as long as they run good i don't care <laughs> <laughs> so 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 uh okay so yeah she mates she's about to deliver she ovulates while she's still pregnant finds a male initiates their crazy cool crazy badass mating ritual that's like absolutely superior life form status and then she gets pregnant again delivers only nurses her offspring for up to 11 days and they're on their own oh yeah she's already pregnant again and she's going to repeat that cycle in another three and a half weeks. So yeah, it matters what you're hunting. It doesn't really matter if you're, yeah, You, you they can replace themselves extremely quickie, quickly. Same for coyotes. They have an extremely legendary reproductive rate. So it's not like a bear or a mountain lion that has a super shallow reproductive rate. So that's the point I'm trying to make. What you're hunting matters a lot.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. That's part of understanding. And that's part of the experts you know experts on fixing my truck know how the truck works you know more than i do that's why i pay somebody else to do it um so if you're gonna if if you're going to live the lifestyle then you need to know how all of these things work and i think that's part that that's the part that we have to stress is is have some basic knowledge of of wildlife management don't just drive down the road in the the field that you see a bunch of turkeys in every day say, oh, we got a lot of turkeys, you know, because that's the only place you look at every day. Same way with, with bears and, and all of it. We have to understand the dynamics of wildlife management. If we're going to truly, truly be credible when we stand in front of policymakers and try to justify who we are and what we do or defend mm-hmm. who we are and what we do. Yeah.
0: Which is, to me, the most important part. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair chase is one of those things that that we're going to keep beating the drum on here because I don't think that we have, I don't think houndsmen have championed the cause that it is. Um, I think at one time it was viewed as something that was very noble and something that was uh, uh, something to celebrate. But somehow we've lost that, and we just need to keep keep um, talking about it.
0: I agree. Preserve, protect, promote. That's you been bet. our slogan since the beginning.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep, for sure. For
0: sure. And keep running, folks. That's all I got to say. Keep running. <laughs> keep
1: running. Well, Seth, you got, any, you got any closing thoughts other than keep running?
0: No, I think I covered everything. Maybe too much.
1: <laughs> well, we're we're gonna we're gonna start closing our podcast the the Monday show anyway with this. Thanks for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast, the original fair chase method. Love it. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, till next time, Seth. Thanks for your time, buddy.
0: Hey, thanks everybody. Hey, one one done.
1: thing I'd add. One thing I'd add, make sure you're tuning in. On the, to the All Mixed Up podcast that's, that Seth and Chad are producing <clears throat> because there's a lot of information. There's going to be so much cool stuff. I mean, off the wall. That's cool what it was all stuff. about. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wanted to focus on all the stuff hunting with dogs. That's not just like your mainstream kind of what you think. My my rat dudes, my hound guys, my weird bird dog people. We got a lot of crazy stuff coming. Me and Chad are going to be in a lot of airplanes this year, so stay tuned, you guys. <laughs> it's going yeah, to be cool.
1: It is going to be cool, and it's entertaining. It's something that um, it, it's. It reminds me of like Micro's Dirty Jobs. You know, he, he doesn't go and just talk to the ordinary guy. He's looking for that ultra off the wall guy that's doing some crazy job, and and that's what All Mixed Up is about. Exactly.
0: Couldn't have put it better myself.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Now, thanks for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast, the original fair chase method. See you, everybody.